But Dan, I can't do that. Well, a listener has a simple idea, but he dismisses it because he doesn't have $3,000 to get started. Is that really an obstacle? I mean, what could happen if you eliminated some dirty words from your vocabulary? Words like impossible, try, busy, should, and can't. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to be taking care of business. We're going to have some fun ideas to share today and answer some amazing questions, as always. Here's some of the things we'll be discussing. Like I started out with there, someone says, but without at least $3,000 in my checking account, I can't do that. Somebody else says, I'd like to start my own business, but my major concern has been in the area of health insurance. Can I build a career coaching business on the side with only five hours a week instead of the typical 15 hours you recommend? And somebody asked, I feel like I'm going through an entrepreneurial puberty. Is this normal? He will have fun unpacking that. I got a lot of ideas on that. And a listener asked, we have a CPA who does our taxes, but he never offers any suggestions on other deductions or things we can do better. Yeah, you better believe it. I got some suggestions for you there. All right, we're going to jump right into these. Quotation for today comes from Gwen Thomas, who said, But the beauty is in the walking. We are betrayed by destinations. Yeah, let that soak in a little bit. You know, sometimes we get so obsessed with just thinking about where we want to be out at the end of, we're at the end of the rainbow, the end of three years, five years, 10 years, whatever. Just, we need to enjoy the day-to-day experience of getting there. Sometimes that's sweeter. You know, Cervantes said, the road is better than the inn. The journey in getting there. Joanna and I just went on a trip. You know, it's not a matter of just getting somewhere. It's a matter of just enjoying the whole process. Our kids used to know when we left on vacation, we we started our vacation when we walked out the door. It was, if we saw a yard sale, you know, half a mile down the road and wanted to stop, that's totally fine. That's part of the experience. Well, anyway, hey, I'll move on. Our resource today is going to be 48 days dot com slash experience i want you to still be aware of these events we got coming up they're getting a lot of attention people are so hungry for getting together again real life getting together not just zoom calls you know podcast zoom calls newsletters are certainly wonderful wonderful ways to connect in uh, some way and certainly transfer of information but there's something very special about getting together we had an event in keller texas we got one coming up in Franklin, Tennessee, that I'd love to see you there. It's just about just about full. We, we limit those to 48 people, so they're just small events. But um, that's April 27th. Then we got one that we just added coming up in Richmond in May on May 11th. And then, of course, our major conference coming up in Sarasota here, August 10th and 11th. Got a lot of people signing up for that. And we've got places for sponsors on that. But anyway, a lot of information there if you just go to 48days.com slash experience. Now, I want to just share with you, and I, I just have to pass on great ideas when I hear them. Last night, we had dinner 
here in the community where we live with a couple other couples. One couple that I did not know before. He's from Romania, just a delightful guy, retired engineer, very successful in what he did. And he's just an idea guy. And he shared with me some ideas, people he's connected to that just blew my mind. One guy is, the guy's name is El Anatsui, and he's from Ghana, but he's a sculptor, an artist. And, and the reason this came up is because we're sitting at a table and there were, you know, bottles of wine around there. And this guy who we were eating dinner with reached up, grabbed one of the bottles of wine, used his knife, and he cut the neck label. It's called a capsule, the neck label. I'm like, what are you doing? He opened it up and he says, this is made out of lead. It's not just a paper wrapper there. I never knew that. It's made out of lead. And he said, let me tell you about this guy I know. He's in Ghana. Now, this guy is the youngest. Think, think about finding an opportunity where you seem to have a lot of disadvantages. You know, a lot of times it's easy to see the disadvantages. Well, I can't do that. That's impossible. I can never, nobody in my family's ever done that. This guy was the youngest of his father's 32 children. Now, I won't even go into that and how that's possible. But anyway, youngest of his father's 32 children lives in Ghana, a poor guy, and just looking for an opportunity. He discovered that these neck labels are made out of lead and they make a creative medium in which he can do art. So he creates these massive, massive art pieces by taking these little pieces of lead, puts holes in them, uses copper wire to put them together, and then using combinations of colors together and all that, he creates these pieces of art. I mean, you can look this guy up, creates these pieces of art that are really, really big and they, they move because they're all these little pieces that are tied together. So it's like an undulation, depending on, you know, how the wind is set up and all that. These things are very, very appealing. Last year, one of his pieces sold at Christie's in New York for $1,950,000. Here's a guy living in abject poverty in Ghana, no opportunities around. Really? Well, he just saw something, turned it into an opportunity. He employs local kids to help him with these big art pieces. He has a big warehouse that he works in and he turns these out and they're just amazing. But think about that. Something that would just be trash would normally just get thrown away and he uses that as a medium to create art. Well, then he, then he I was so excited about it. So he started telling me about other pieces. He's got another friend who's a contractor. This guy builds houses, paints, and so on. So he was going to be working in this warehouse for somebody to kind of update it. And in that warehouse were a collection of old porcelain dolls. There are like 2,000 miscellaneous dolls in there. Some were broken, some were pieces. And all. But hey, miscellaneous dolls. And the contractor says, you know, what are you going to do to get rid of that? Well, I don't know. I just need to get rid of it. Well, what do you want for it? Well, I'll give you the whole thing for $100. So he got over 200 porcelain dolls for $100. He, as a contractor, he uses these pieces. And I saw some pictures last night of what he was doing. But he uses these pieces to create these really interesting, outrageous pieces of art, like a toolbox with then a doll head on it, arms coming out the side, legs down. And it's just pieces of art. But he does that. He'll do that with a hairdryer, you know, with an old used appliance or whatever. And he makes these really uh, abstract kind of pieces of art using these porcelain doll pieces. But he again, took something that was just essentially trash 
and just turned it into interesting art. Now, I love those kind of ideas, and I hope it helps you stimulate stimulate ideas for you. You know, this is there's a process called reticular activator, where once you're thinking about something, the ideas really come more and more. Or if you, you know, buy a red Corvette today, you know, this afternoon you're going to see six others driving around your neighborhood, and you think, wow, did they all go out and buy one? Yesterday, like I did, no, they were there all the time. They just weren't on your radar. But once you are, once it's on your radar, you're thinking about it, then you see it more and more. Ideas are the same way. When you're thinking about ideas, they, they come in volumes. I mean, I can't walk down to our mailbox without coming back with three or four ideas. And like this, just having dinner with some friends, man, I get some ideas going. And it took me back to what I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, incidentally, Hot Wheels, where we're finding that some of the old Hot Wheel cars, I mean, if you find me a 1969 rear-loading beach bomb Volkswagen uh, Volkswagen bus, Hot Wheels, please uh, send them my way. We're showing that they can be, they can bring as much as $150,000. Now, I, I mentioned that, incidentally, and thank you so much. I had several of you reach out with some really great tips about what to look for. I mean, I, I'm getting my education from you, the listeners, on that, as well as somebody reached out who has a, a friend who just passed away and his widow realizes that he had had a collection of over 3,000 Hot Wheels. So I, I'm, I'm on the hunt for possibly that or something like that to get a, a kickstart on my own collection. A lot of ideas out there, trust me, and I'll keep passing them along, but share them with me as well. I'll love to see these things that are being done, just creative ideas that people put legs on and do that we would never think of uh, until somebody takes action on it. Well, you may be the one to take action on something. All right, I got a note from Jamie. Uh, Jamie Jamie actually sent me a note back in. He mentioned that he I had answered a previous question. The previous question was back in March, so now six years ago, where he said, if I work overtime, I'm neglecting my family. If I don't work overtime, I'm neglecting my employer, and I'm our only source of income. My current employer is an hour and 15 minutes away from my home. I'd like to get a job closer to home. Um, the jobs, uh, but the jobs around here don't pay as much. Anyway, and he, he said, you know, most people say, well, just don't worry about it. You know, all things work together for those who love the Lord or, yeah, life sucks. What are you going to do? And uh, so he said, he said, then six years ago, I was wondering what advice you would give me. Now, I don't remember exactly, but I can know from reading the question what I would have told him. Nobody needs to drive an hour and 15 minutes away to get a job. Well, anyway, so I got an update. Here we are six years later. He says, I did leave my one hour and 15 minute commute, found a job closer to home. I also started a Shopify store and my Instagram page now has 48,000 followers. Reading your book helped me change the direction of my life and listening to your podcast keeps me staying positive. I did, he said, I did take a hard look at how I was wired, remembered cutting out the far side comics out of the Sunday paper and covering the wall in my room as a kid. That's cool. Well, thanks for your update, Jamie. Congratulations on taking action. Man, I love these long-term connections with you, the listeners, where, yeah, somebody took action and changed, dramatically changed your life. Love it. All right, Andy says, uh, hey, Dan, I was listening to the show number 876 after your message, and I heard you heard about you starting a vending machine business. Yeah, I've had multiples. I've actually wanted to do like you, same thing without junk food. 
but without at least $3,000 in my checking account, I can't do that. Jamie, don't say that. Don't ever end. I've got an idea, but I don't have the money to do that. That's never true. Great ideas always attract money. And what you're talking about, it's so simple to do something without having $3,000 or $1,000. You can do all kinds of things with the vending machines. If you've got a great idea, if you know what it is you want to do and really have a clear plan for that. Now, there are a lot of people who jump into vending. Vending is one of the biggest millionaire makers in America still. So it's it's great and I, I love it. But don't just jump in it without having a clear plan because you can't just, you know, get some machines and then walk down to the local Walmart where they have a lot of traffic and think you're going to put a machine there. That's not going to happen. Obviously, they control those. So you're going and you aren't going to walk into a Wendy's or a McDonald's and put in a machine. You know, that's not going to happen. So you have to be realistic about where do you have identified as a location where you're going to have a lot of foot traffic that you typically need for a vending machine. So if you really approach this as a business and know that in advance, then getting the machine is a minor detail. I mean, you don't have to have $3,000 to get a machine. I'm not sure what kind of machine you want to have, but you can rent, lease, buy, used. I mean, jump on eBay. You'll see vending machines on there, big, you know, vending machines for candy bars and soft drinks and all that. There are machines for two, $300 on there because other people tried it and didn't have success. Believe me, there are thousands of machines sitting in garages around the country where people bought them, got into it, thought it was going to be profitable, turned out not to be so. And their machines, getting machines are not your issue. Those are easy, easy to get. But creating a clear plan from which you can identify locations, that is your unique challenge. What are you going to do to really identify unique locations? Now, I had machines in like health and fitness centers that I owned where I then had a captive audience, of course, people who were coming in and out of the clubs all day. And so I owned the machines in doing that. Now, you're referring to probably my story about what I did back at 18, where I used some money that I had been given as a grant to go to Ohio State University, and I used it instead to buy some machines. Turned out to not be a good idea. Uh, I lost that money totally, but it learned, it, it helped me learn about bending. And that's how I approach any situation like that. It's never that I failed. We don't use that term around here at 48 days. We didn't fail. We didn't lose. There are only two options when you try something, either you win or you learn. And in that case, I learned. And today we have a very, very successful vending business in the form of how we distribute our disc profiles. So again, those are not machines that we install, but essentially the, the, the details are exactly the same. We can have State Farm Insurance that has access to our disc profiles. They can restock their machine, so to speak, by buying another 100 reports at 2 a.m. tonight. Doesn't matter. It's all done online. They can do it without us having to attend it, without us having to back a truck up to a dock and drive across town. No, they can restock it. And the way that we sell those reports are essentially an electronic vending business. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to do that, but please just eliminate the the thinking that you can't do it because you don't have a few bucks in the bank. You certainly can. You know, when our kids were little, we used to get them, you know, daddy, I can't do this. Mommy, I can't do this. And we'd say, hey, are we Americans or are we Americans? Well, that's corny, I know, but we used to use that and just kind of embed in them the idea, don't say you can't do something, figure out how to do it. In the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, that's what Robert Kiyosaki talks about, where 
he'd go to his his dad, you know, gee, you know, I, I want to get new roller skates. Well, no, we can't do that, son. We don't have any money. Whereas the rich dad would say, okay, how are we going to do that? When my son Kevin came to me at 10 years old and said he wanted a new bicycle, we were used to getting bicycles, you know, for 20, 25 bucks, and he wanted a new red line right when BMX racing was becoming really popular and he wanted to race and thought he needed a new expensive bike. It was 400 bucks. I said, hey, that's fantastic. How are we going to get that? He said, well, you're going to go down to the bicycle shop and you can write a check. And well, it's not the way it works in the Miller household, but how can you get that? What could you do to get that? And in that case, I'm sure I've told this story before, but in that case, I bought an old motorcycle from one of my car dealer friends. It was just a regular Honda motorcycle, nothing fancy, but it had been kind of abused. So Kevin and I, Kevin at 10 years old, we worked on that for six weeks. We worked on that motorcycle every day. We cleaned and polished and painted, had things re-chromed, put new seat on it, did all the things that it needed, fixed it up, put it out in our front yard with the for sale sign on it. The first day we put it out there, a guy stopped and bought it. I took out every penny that I had invested in that, in the reconditioning process, and we had $410 left over. I said, Kevin, here's $410. What do you want to do? I want to go buy that bike. So we always approached it in that way, not we can't do that. How can we do that? And if you change your thinking on that, you'll see opportunities that are readily available. They're not out of reach. Don't say impossible, try, busy, should, can't. Get those words out of your vocabulary. All right, Glenn says, I'm 53. I've been playing around the edge of starting a business for a few years. My goal is to replace my nine to five job and be in business for myself. I truly believe I can do this if I devote the time to it. My major concern has been in the area of insurance. My wife has some medical issues that have affected her health and our finances. Her biggest concern about me going into business for myself has been insurance and the security provided by an employer providing that benefit. What would you recommend in this situation? Okay, now I, I already sent you a link Glenn, but I just want to share it here as well. If you go to 48 Days, go to, go to our site and click on Useful Resources. Under Useful Resources, you'll see a document titled Insurance Options for the Self-Employed. Insurance for Entrepreneurs, Insurance Options for the Self-Employed. And under that, you'll see a whole lot of information there. Now, here's the, the bottom line on this. For one thing, the fact that an employer is providing insurance today is no guarantee. There is no assurance. There's no safety and security in knowing that. Those things are changing daily. And you're, you're very much at risk in thinking that you have an employer that's going to continue to provide insurance. Now, that may be true, and certainly we hope that a lot of cases it will be true. But employers are trying to find ways to not have to provide that. And a lot of people... A lot of people today are freelancers. They're independent contractors. They get a 1099 at the end of the year, not a W-2. And so they don't have those kind of benefits. That's okay. Insurance companies are well aware of that. There are tons of insurance companies that are looking for people who are in business for themselves. Now, personally, it, it, I mean, think about it. If you were an insurance company, would you rather have somebody on your roles who has that benefit provided by their employer. What is likely to happen? 
that person gets up in the morning, they got a scratchy throat, they go, ah, what the heck, you know, I'm not going to go into work today, no big deal, I'll just take a day off, I'll run by the doctor to make it official, and so they have to pick up the tab for that. As opposed to an entrepreneur, somebody who's self-employed, you get up in the morning, you got a scratchy throat, what are you going to do? You're going to jump in the game and do it anyway. You don't just find an excuse to not work when you're working for yourself. And, in, and so people who work for themselves tend to have far fewer visits to the doctors, far few medical issues. Frankly, insurance companies see us as a better risk. The other thing is, I find people that stay in jobs because they have insurance provided, that being the major reason they stay there. So let's say that you're making $70,000 a year and you stay in that job because you have insurance provided. What do you think you could make if you had a business of your own? I mean, just, I don't know what it is that you want to go into and do, but let's say that you know pretty clearly that you could create $150,000 income if you went into business for yourself. Well, what's, what's the difference between $70,000 and $150,000? That's $80,000. You think maybe you could get your own insurance for another $80,000 a year? Well, absolutely. I mean, what if it cost you $1,000 a month? What if it cost you $2,000 a month? You're still way better off to do that. So there are a lot of insurance programs out there that you can explore and get. Now, where you start, what I recommend you do to start with is go to the National Association for Self-Employed. NASE. That's one of the big organizations for self-employed people. Certainly, they've got all kinds of options for insurances that you can get there. The other one is National Federation of Independent Business, NFIB. I've done a lot of work with them over the years. Great organization. And uh, you can check out there as well. Now, those are some of the big ones that are for self-employed people specifically. And then we know there are these sharing programs where people share expenses that are very, very popular for self-employed people. Things like MediShare, Samaritan Ministries International, Liberty Health Share, Christian Care Ministry. I mean, those are things, organizations, you can check those out and have entrance into those as well. If you need more information, you can uh, check out our friends over at Dave Ramsey's organization. This is a real common issue for them as well. They've got a lot of resources on that, but don't let this be, don't let that be the reason that you don't start your own business. Surely that can be covered. Even if there are pre-existing medical conditions and all that, they may have a waiting time. You know, may have a 90 day waiting period or six months or whatever, but you know, address that by starting your business before you leave your current job. And so you cover the gap, but certainly don't let needing insurance be the reason that keeps you from moving from your nine to five to your own business. Okay. Bill says, Hey Dan, I wanted to write and mention I'm currently a career coach working with adult leaders or adult learners at a community college. I do like the functions of what I do, helping with resumes, career assessment, exploring job options, giving career presentations. Um, but my senior leader, not very, not very organized, you know, kind of a questionable environment apparently. So he says, my questions are as follows. Would you advise to continue to stay in my current role as a career coach in higher ed? I love the functions of what I'm doing, but I think these are valuable skills. And I think these are valuable skills to keep developing as I want to have a career coaching business full-time at some point in the future. This thought comes from an older episode where you shared a comment of younger individuals chasing the money and not necessarily staying in a position to learn and keep building skills. I'm comfortable staying to keep building skills, even in spite of current leadership challenges. 
Number two, can I build a career coaching business on the side with only five hours a week instead of the typical 15 hours that you recommend? Could I be still be successful with five hours focused in the four areas that you mentioned? I want to build a side business as a career coach, um, but I'm in a full season right now. I, well, he says I want to move into this when I get into my 40s, perhaps. But I'm in a full season right now with a full-time job and graduate school classes focused on adult education. I think developing a side business could be a good thing, allowing me to continue serving others, continue to be creative, generating extra income. It'd be a positive thing to keep developing the kind of life I want. Thanks for your insight and answering my questions. Well, thanks for your thanks for your question here, Bill. Um, no, I wouldn't recommend that you do what you're talking about. If we go back to, so we're talking about using five hours a week instead of 15. So if we use the same model where I say you should be learning 20% of the time, creating 33% of the time, earning 27% of the time, planning 20% of the time. That means with only five hours a week invested in your business, that would mean only an hour, one hour and 21 minutes for actual coach, coaching where you would get paid. I don't think that's enough momentum to make it a real business. Now, here's what I would recommend that you do. Continue to do your long-term planning as you're obviously doing. Now, you imply that when you get in your 40s, so I assume that you're only in your 20s or your 30s, so you are young. There may be a lot of value, as you implied, in staying where you are to learn on somebody else's nickel, so to speak. There's, that there's a great value in learning in a situation that is much like what you want to create on your own. Sometimes people do burn the bridge too quickly there. But I don't think you ought to add anything to your already very full schedule. When, when you're working a full-time job and going to graduate school, you don't have enough margin add something else. If you had something else beyond working full-time and going to graduate school, now you're going to add your own business in. Some other things in your life are going to start to suffer. Be that your health, your relationships, you know, your personal development. I mean, what, those other things that we talk about, something's going to suffer. You can't have that much time devoted to your work, school, and so on, and not have some of those areas, other issues, your area areas of your life suffer. I would encourage you to just see this as a productive season in your life, but see it as a season. It doesn't mean the way it is now has to be forever, but you may want to do this, you know, for another two years until you finish your graduate degree, as an example. So you open that up as a little place of margin where you can then devote 15 hours to this. But I, I don't think, I mean, I, want, I would encourage you to continue developing your coaching skills in the job you have now, knowing, yes, you can use those same skills later on, but wait until you have more space in your life to try to build a real business of your own. Well, here we are. I'm glancing down through here. We, uh, 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 Joanna and I have been out a couple weeks. I actually pre-recorded a couple podcasts there, but um, we were out a couple weeks on a cruise. And I've had a lot of questions accumulate. I apologize for the delay. A lot of questions have accumulated here. Wonderful questions go through. We've got a couple more here I want to address. And we'll save some of the rest of them for later on. But if you do have a question, love to hear from you. I got a lot of suggestions back about what to title an early stage of life because of one of my podcasts, I think last week, where I talked about that. 
where I said, I really need to add a stage from 10 to 20 years old because there's so much important that happens there. And a lot of you agreed with me and gave me some wonderful suggestions. I appreciate that. But if you got a question, a suggestion or a resource like that that you want to add, just go to 48days.com slash askdan. That's where you can put in your question. I'm honored to have you submit your questions. I'm energized and learn in the process of uh, unpacking these with you together. So Nathan says, I feel like I'm going through entrepreneurial puberty. Is this normal? He says, hi, Dan. After spending about 11 years in corporate roles, I transitioned to a consulting business within my particular area of professional expertise. It's been about two years now. It's been challenging, but a wonderful adventure as well. I estimate I've been able to earn about the same as the salary I left behind. And it looks my be- like my business is poised for a growth spurt. However, something has begun to happen I wasn't quite prepared for. My identity as a business owner is starting to eclipse my identity as an expert in my particular skill set. Instead of looking in the mirror and seeing a skilled professional, I see an entrepreneur who just happens to have this particular specialty. What I really find exciting is thinking about the right mix of products and service lines that can grow my business. These opportunities are also expanding my identity as an investor. Instead of investing primarily in the S&P 500, I'm looking into real estate and private equity opportunities as my business has created new possibilities for me. And call me crazy, but I'm starting to think that in the near future, I will want to begin evaluating other businesses to determine whether I want to buy an equity stake in them. This is very exciting. But what will happen to the professional skills I worked so hard to build over all these years? Will they continue to grow as well, or will they be lost as my journey continues? I feel like I'm going through entrepreneurial puberty. Is this normal? I love your question, Nathan. I love how you frame this, and it's a perfect, perfect setup we can walk right through. You are an entrepreneur first. You are a consultant second. You are a leadership trainer third. Now, let me help you see how I just framed those. In 48 Days to the Work You Love, I distinguish between vocation, career, and job. Vocation being the big picture. The big picture. Career is a subset of that. So let's say as a vocation, you want to help reduce pain and suffering in the world. That's a great overview. That's the big thing, the mission, the destiny, vocation, calling. That's there. Career then is a subset of that. And in that case, if you want to help reduce pain and suffering in the world, as a career, you could be a physician, you could be a massage therapist, you could be a sports trainer. I mean, in some ways, you could be a politician, a teacher, or a pastor. Then the smallest component is job. Job is, oh, you happen to have a job as a sports trainer down at Gold's Gym on 2nd Avenue in Houston. And you need to be there on Monday morning at eight o'clock. That's the very smallest daily application. But in the way that we frame that, if you change your job, you still can find thousands of other opportunities to reduce pain and suffering in the world. That's why when I work with physicians, attorneys, dentists, pastors, and people like that, we can change what they're doing in terms of the job and even how it looks to the outside world, but still go back to what was your original vocation? What was that big picture that was leading you in this direction? And we can validate that even if we come up with something different that they're doing daily. So in this case, you're an entrepreneur. That's 
the big picture. That's the vocation. Your career is that you are a consultant. Your job is that right now you're a leadership trainer, you're creating courses in that arena. There's that. So framing it like that, you can see the flexibility that you have in, in pivoting or in adding to or changing what you do daily. Now, I, in my, my experience, my, my coaching, my speaking, my writing books have provided a very good income. But the big moves forward financially for me have been in real estate and business investments. And yes, that feeling of seeing even more more even while you're successful is very normal and a wonderful confirmation that you are indeed an entrepreneur. Now, as an entrepreneur, first, you're not confined to doing only one thing and what you do daily. So I, I would encourage you to see this unrest you have as a wonderful prompt to explore some new avenues. I mean, you'll no doubt, I mean, I, I'm totally confident that you'll be an entrepreneur 30 years from now. But it's highly likely you will not be creating courses on leadership, and that's perfectly fine. So embrace this season of puberty and be confident that moving into adulthood is going to bring you some really exciting new and bigger picture opportunities. Wow, great question, Nathan. I thank you for submitting that as a great setup to help probably some other listeners as well see what they're doing in that framework. The big picture and then a subset of that what you're doing daily, what you're doing daily can change without changing the big picture at all. And you're well in place on that track. Incidentally, I know you've asked me about what we're doing with our Eagles Innovation Group that you hear me mention now and then. It's kind of the the top line of uh, how I'm connected with people at this point, where we invest together. We've invested in a couple businesses, have opportunities to do that. It's a really fun thing to do. We're investing in ways where we have not only a financial stake in the company, but we have opportunity to be actively involved in those companies. So we have serve, I, I look at our member investors and select people to, to serve in those companies where they have active roles. We've got a couple going right now that are really, really fun. And you can check that out. Maybe you want to see about that. And if you want to see about that, and it's not something that we have promoted on the front page of our site, but it, it is there. You can find it if you go to 48days.com slash EIG. That's our hidden behind the scenes overview of our Eagles Innovation Group. And if some of you are at that point, like Nathan is, where you're looking at investing, you want to have investing in a real business, not just like buying stock in IBM or Apple, but much different investing in real businesses where you have an opportunity to play a part in the daily operations there. Hey, check it out. I'd be delighted to have a conversation with you. Okay. Got a couple more here. Francis says, how do I get the most tax benefits for our small businesses? We have a CPA, CGMA, do our taxes, but he never offers any suggestions on other deductions or things we can do better. I doubt that we are perfect. Um, I get the IRS publications. I can get the IRS publications to learn, but that takes time away from working the business. I'll do that if I need to, but not every small business owner would be willing to do that. So there should be someplace to go for help. If not, maybe I need to offer that service. Now I looked up, you've got in there, you've got a CPA slash CGMA. I had to look up what that is. CGMA is a 
is the Chartered Global Management Accountant. That designation is the premier management accounting credential indicating you have advanced proficiency in finance operations strategy and management. Okay, that sounds wonderful. You clearly have somebody who's just working the numbers. You know, I used to have a chiropractor up in Tennessee. His name is Greg, really cool guy. And I'd go in to see him. Well, you know what most chiropractors are going to do? They just start moving your bones around. Not Greg. He says, hey, what brings you in today? Thinking, toxins, or trauma. That's it. And then he stop. What brings you in today? Thinking, toxins, or trauma. Hey, he talked to me about what's going on with all my life and how that was then being evidenced in the condition of my body. You need a CPA who understands business, who cares about your business, and I'll help you find those extra deductions and create strategies to help you in the future. Don't stay with somebody you're not thrilled about. And just because he is a CPA doesn't mean that he will take the initiative on helping you look for deductions and come up with these strategies. But there are others who have the same designations, the same credentials, who will. So it's just like looking for any, any professional. If it's a, a chiropractor or a doctor or a dentist or an optometrist or whoever, ask your friends for recommendations. And that's what I did. We moved down here to Florida where I needed new contacts in all those areas. I asked everybody I talked to, got some wonderful recommendations that led to the connections that I have in place today. But ask your friends for recommendation, then interview three or four, make a selection. I mean, don't continue with someone you're not thrilled with. Make a change. You can do it. There's somebody out there that is going to be perfect for you. All right. Hey, we're going to wrap it up there. Got a lot of questions here. Again, if you got questions, just go to 48days.com slash askdan. Shoot it in there. Be happy to include that in an upcoming podcast episode. But thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Hey, keep those creative ideas going. You know, I want to hear your ideas. What are you doing that's really out of the box thinking? I love these things that just seem to, to pop up where people really are using creativity and taking advantages of what they have available. If the resources are limited, that doesn't mean that your ideas or opportunities are limited. You just need to be more resourceful coming up with what it is that's going to work for you. So share this episode with three or four of your friends, maybe somebody who needs to hear something we talked about here today. Thanks for being known for your positivity. The fact that you are offering hope and encouragement to others encourages me. That inspires me. So, and then... I love the fact that in this journey together, you and I know together without a shadow of a doubt, we can find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.